Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Like I often tell you guys, I would be much more concerned about saying nothing than saying the wrong thing. I don't want God to say of any of us in this church that we're guilty of seeking after ourselves. That we only care about ourselves. That it's all about us, even as an individual or as a church. I don't want God to determine any of us to be spiritually unfit because we were not faithful with what we had been given by God. If we really ask ourselves if we are available for Christ's work, what would the answer be? As Pastor Jim emphasizes in his message, most people put themselves first and Christ as a distant second. Paul speaks of the servant Timothy who possesses the unique ability of Christ-centeredness. As we learn from this example, we can discover ways of taking on the challenges of dying to self and using our spiritual gifts for God's purpose. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part three of his message entitled, Joyful Partnership. Able-bodied people, not available. People called to be leaders in God's kingdom, seeking their own. In a time of testing, when the leader was in jail, The opportunity for people to to rise up to the occasion. They were absorbed in themselves and not the work of the Lord. You say, well, why is this so important? You know, on July 12th, we went to Hapakong Day. July 12th. And I spent a lot of time with a young man. A little bit of time with his girlfriend. His girlfriend and her family came this morning. He died 10 days later. He was in his 20s. He was a young man. We can't put off the work of the Lord. We just can't. And he told me how he, he wanted to get his life back on track and he knew he wasn't right with God. And, and, and you know, I, I told him about my life and what all that God had done in my life. For those of you who don't know me, I didn't become a Christian until I was 29. And in so many ways, we were so similar. I told him about Jesus and the cross and was able to give him a, just a CD of the testimony of my life. Listen, I'm just a guy stumbling my way through this stuff just like all of us are. But like I often tell you guys, I would be much more concerned about saying nothing than saying the wrong thing. I don't want God to say of any of us in this church that we're guilty of seeking after ourselves. That we only care about ourselves. That it's all about us, even as an individual or as a church, I don't want God to determine any of us to be spiritually unfit because we were not faithful with what we had been given by God. 
I personally never, never want to get a promotion from God and rest. Whenever God does something in my life, and I hope you feel the same way, I want to run hard after it. I want to give it everything I can. And I hope you do too. And here the Apostle Paul is giving us a very, very difficult teaching that most Christians put themselves first. That's hard. That's hard to hear, but a reality that we all have to face. And maybe Jesus is second. But here he says, not timid Timothy. He's motivated by Christ. Jesus Christ had freed him from self-interest, had freed him from following the false gospel of self-fulfillment, had freed him from the love of self. And I've noticed this in my years as a Christian, that Christ-centered servants are willing to do the dirty work. They take it. They do it. They don't need applause, and they do it without complaining. And I'm so thankful for the people in our church who are doing that. You say, where are they? You've got to look, because they're not noisy. They're not complaining. Their sleeves are rolled up. They're working hard. They're getting at it. They're joyfully cleaning up after the rest of us. They're not easily offended. Their lives are not pulled in a thousand different directions. Why? Because they're Christ-centered, not self-centered. We've already learned that doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. But they're taking care of the Lord's business. Well, number three, Timothy was time-tested. Timothy was time-tested. Verse 22, he says, but you know his proven character. That's what he's telling them. He was there. Timothy was there 10 years ago when the church was founded. He hasn't deserted the Apostle Paul like so many other people do. He didn't leave the Christian faith. And why was he proven character? It was proven through testing. It was proven over time. Anybody can be good at something for a short period of time. But Timothy was a guy who was in it for the long haul. You know, you meet so many people. They want to quit their marriages. They want to quit their jobs. They want to quit following God. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon. It says, you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served, literally cleaned up for our Bibles. Literally, he served as a slave with me in the gospel. Now, Timothy is not perfect. But over time, through lots of difficult testing, The Apostle Paul could say to everybody in that church, I might not be coming, but you know this guy's proven character. You know he has integrity. You know he's committed. And notice how the Apostle Paul says that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. We served side by side. We were in it together. Yes, Timothy was learning from the Apostle Paul, but they were working together. Now, no doubt the Apostle Paul was ahead of Timothy in the faith. But the Apostle is very important. But the Apostle Paul treated him like a peer. He didn't treat him like some little kid. I think sometimes that's our mistake with a lot of people. We treat them like little kids forever. Sometimes people come to our church, and if it's you and I offended you, I'd like to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. (laughs) Sometimes people come, 
and they're in their 30s or their 40s, and everybody in their church is in their 60s or 70s, and you're just like the young little kid in the church. Well, here I'm like, you're old. Roll up your sleeves and get to work. (laughs) He didn't treat him like a little kid. He treated him like a peer, and he expected him to act like one. Timothy, when I send you up to Philippi, you act like I would act. You know when the time is to joke around, and you learn when the time is to be serious because we're both slaves of Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm ahead of you in the Christian walk, but when we stand at the foot of the cross, it's level, and we're both there. Now, you might say, this is amazing that the Apostle Paul gave himself one line, I'm being poured out like a drink offering upon the offering of your faith. Remember that? That's all. And he gave, he gave Timothy right? Several lines here. Now you might say, what an honor. Timothy must be so impressed. Well, let me read the, imagine him walking back, going, reading the letter going, oh, there's my section in the letter. I don't think so. I think the greatest honor is in chapter one of this letter, verse one. Turn back one page and look what he says. Starts the letter, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. I'm in the same sentence with an apostle. Forget about the verses you gave me. Why did he put him in the same sentence as an apostle? Because Timothy was honored for his service to the Lord Jesus Christ over time. Friends, there are no shortcuts in this testing. Timothy was truly available. Timothy was truly reliable. Timothy was truly competent. Timothy was a man of proven character. And this is what really strikes me about this guy. The more seasoned he was, the more his gifts began to come out, the more tested Timothy was, the more he realized he needed a spiritual father. That is very rare today. How many of us realize that we need spiritual mentors? How many of us are willing to pursue someone who's ahead of us in the game of walking with Jesus Christ and say, can I learn from you? And it doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter. that You may be in your 40s and you know someone who's been walking with God for 20 years and they're 28, Right? to pursue, to have that level of humility to say that I want to learn. You see, the Apostle Paul was the guy everyone knew. (laughs) Everywhere they went, they'd be like, oh, it's the Apostle Paul. Who are you? I'm Timothy. (laughs) He was the one that everybody saw and knew. But like a true son, Timothy was not bitter. He tried to lighten the Apostle Paul's load. You know, in the book of, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, Moses is fighting, right? And, and the people of God are fighting and he's holding up the staff. And the people of God are winning. And when the staff comes down, right, they start to lose. People don't come along and go, well, give me the staff, Moses, it'll be better. And they go, no, no, Moses, let us hold your arms up. See, Timothy learned how to hold his arms up, not hang on his arms, Timothy wasn't coming to the apostle Paul. You know, you should do this. You should do that. Have you thought of this? You thought of this? You thought of that? No, he came. How can I help? What can I do? What can I take off your plate? And notice how the apostle Paul says, he says, he says, look, a son with his father. 
He served with me. He doesn't say he was my slave. He says he, we were slaves together. We did it together. Young people, young people, please, please hear an old man on this. I know you want to change the world. I know you do. I know you spend a lot of time from the age of 20 to 25, right, complaining about what's wrong with this world. But like Timothy, you need to learn that changing the world is a very slow process. And it is in generally, it is done one person at a time. It takes lots of hard work. It takes lots of discipline. It takes lots of courage. It takes lots of faith. Bring your heart of gold, your heart of a lion into that reality. Understand that changing the world is going to take a lot of heartache. It's going to take getting your teeth kicked in over and over and over again. And sometimes when you think you got it, you get your teeth kicked in again. But you won't make a difference unless you're in it for the long haul. You'll just be another disappointed 25-year-old that the whole world doesn't know what it's doing because it didn't think you were the greatest thing in the world since sliced bread. You need people in your life that are older and wiser. And you may be smarter and your company might be bigger. And if you're in the ministry, your church might be bigger. But you need people who can guide you in your life Seek wise people, not just anybody, but seek wise people and be worthy of having someone pour their time into you. Apostle Paul said this, Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. He says, we also glory in tribulation. We're fine in trouble, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Timothy was a faithful apprentice. Timothy was a faithful son. Timothy was time-tested. What's the result of all that? Well, Timothy could be confidently sent. Listen, the apostle doesn't want to send some hack. He wants to send the real deal. Verse 23, Therefore I hope to send him at once. As soon as I see how it goes with me, wondering how, probably whether he's going to be released or executed, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So he's trusting in the Lord that he's going to be released. So it appears that once the verdict is pronounced, first off, the Apostle Paul can confidently send his trusted son in the Lord. He can confidently send the man that he has a joyful partnership with. I wonder, are there people who trust you at that level? What, what a worthy thing to be. You see, you have to be proven trustworthy in this world before you're given great responsibility. Because if you're given great responsibility before you're proven trustworthy, most times the thing just blows up because you haven't learned humility. You haven't learned to be a servant. You haven't learned to take orders. You're impressed with yourself instead of being about the mission. 
no matter what the Apostle Paul says in verse 19 and 24, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And how did Timothy learn to continually trust in the Lord? He saw it in his mentor. He saw it in the Apostle Paul. You see, this is the power of example. This is the power of a life that is exemplifying the Christian life for someone else. Timothy is seeing it in the Apostle Paul, and now Timothy is going to pass it on to other people as it's been passed on to him. Quite simply, Timothy is now beginning to work out his salvation with fear and trembling. Timothy is becoming more like the, G- the Lord Jesus Christ, being focused on Jesus through the word of God. Timothy is changing. He's starting to think like Jesus, starting to live like Jesus, starting to love like Jesus, and he's in it for the long run. And God looks at this man, young man, timid, doesn't have all the gifts that the apostle has, and says to to heaven, that's my boy, that's him right there. Please understand this, friends. God expects you to do everything with the gifts that he has given you and doesn't expect you to do anything with the gifts he hasn't given you. But you're never going to find out what your gifts are till you get in the game, till you see how God has gifted you. You know how I started teaching the Bible? I was part of a very large youth group, and one time the youth, the youth pastor had to um, go to a funeral, so they called me at work on a Friday afternoon and said, could you teach the youth group? 100 to 150 teenagers. I said, yeah, no problem. They said, oh, have you done this before? I said, no. They said, well, what are you going to talk about? I said, oh, I have a lot of sermons I wrote. They're like, why did you write sermons? I go, I have no idea. (laughs) So then I did it. I must have said, um, and okay, and you know, 4,000 times. It was like a 30-minute message, and and you take the um, okay, and you know out, and they had like four minutes. (laughs) And, And the dean of the Bible college listened to it. I thought, oh, no. He says, can you come to my office? I said, oh, doubly no. He says, you know, have you done this before? I said, no. <laughs> he said, you know, you could actually do it if you worked at it. I was like, is that good or bad? <laughs> like, it was so bad if you worked at it, it actually could become decent, or there was actually something there. He said, no, there's actually something there. But you got to get out there. You're never going to hit a home run unless you step up to the plate, right? Unless you take a few shots. You got to take a few swings. So Timothy gets the commendation of God here. You know, when we were up in Cape Cod, we'd never been there before, and I was a beautiful place, and, and Martha's Vineyard, I was like, my goodness, what a beautiful place. And then we went to Nantucket, oh my goodness. And uh, that's the place where all the billionaires live. And it's easy to be covetous of that. You know, it's easy. For, for me, I was in the business world, and I, sometimes I'm driving around on our little mopeds. Other people are you know, driving all these expensive their summer cars at their $5 million summer houses and uh, with their private jets. And, and, and I'm thinking, what if I had stayed in the business world? But when we were over, we were going over to Nantucket. We were on the ferry going over there because I don't have a private jet. And uh, <laughs> we were talking with this girl, and nice girl, and... She told us about some of the people that lived on the island, and one of them was one of my old customers. Some of you are probably wearing his clothes right now. And he owned a place. But 
I know that he went through a bitter, bitter divorce and custody battle. We were, we were on the street, cobblestone streets, beautiful, beautiful. Saw a famous actress. She was an E.T. That's all I know about her. <laughs> and, and Pam says to me, oh, yeah, I mean, she really made a great comeback from all her drug and alcohol problems that she had. And we heard about Robin Williams. Famous guy. Everybody had such good things to say about him. Right? Commit suicide. You see... All the money in the world doesn't stop the pain. All the riches, all everything, it just doesn't stop it. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Pain and heartache comes to us all. And self-centeredness is a living hell. It's a living hell. And I, I remember at one point in time, uh, we, on Nantucket, Tim and I were, were, we rented mopeds for the day and we pulled over at one point in time and I was looking at this big house. And I'd read an article that said that most of the billionaires there, one article said that almost 10% of the billionaires in the world have places on Nantucket. And how they stay in their homes and don't really come out. They bring their people in to see them. And I remember looking at this one home and thinking like, oh, I would love that. And then God was so faithful. Mark 8, 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? You know, Jesus Christ cared so much for people that he cared so much for you that he came and died on the cross in your place for your sins. The Apostle Paul said, I have no one else like Timothy, right? And God the Father had no one else like Jesus because there is none like him. And so he confidently sent his son to bear the good news, to bear our sins on the cross as the only way to save our soul. Jesus Christ, a willing servant, submissive to the will of the Father, giving up comforts of heaven for you, giving up the glory of earth for you, not caring for himself first, but caring for others, even to the point of death, death on a cross. And he offers eternal life and forgiveness of sins, but it is only to those who will put their trust in him. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for I am persuaded, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friend, let me ask you the most soul-searching question that could ever be asked of anyone. Are you persuaded of that? Are you persuaded that nothing can separate you from God's love? If not, 
turned to God, confessed your sins, your selfishness, your ignoring of God, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him today and enter into with God something better than a joyful partnership, a joyful fellowship. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.